Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are in our fourth episode. We're in our third series. It's all about career development. Today is the fourth stage, contributing through others. Uh, if, you, if you're just now starting this series, go back and listen to the first three episodes. We've covered four stages of where you might be in your career. This isn't necessarily I'm an inside sales rep or a sales rep or a manager or team lead. This is the stages across any tech sales role that you might be in in your career. The first stage we talked about was contributing dependently. That means the, the company's investing in you. They're, they're, you're, making, you're making the business less money than you're costing the business, but they're expecting large returns from you in the future. You've got a support staff. You've probably got a manager that's helping you do heavy lifting. They are betting on you to be a big, big return for them. The second stage we talked about was contributing independently. This is when you've got a few wins under your belt. You're producing revenues. You're producing gross margin more than you are taking from the business. And they're starting to see that return. And you, in this stage of your career, you're probably going to see the highs and lows and probably will spend the majority of your career in this stage contributing independently. Yep, Bobby, in the third episode, we covered contributing strategically. And contributing contributing strategically is all about uh, you're a veteran in the role, and now you're providing exponential results back to the business. So the company, whether you're supporting a district or a region, you are seen as an expert, and you're being paid like an expert. And there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to this role that we covered in the last episode. Today, what we're going to talk about is all about contribution through others. And this is really the first um, episode we're talking about specifically around a management type role. So this could be uh, whether you're a solution specialist manager, an account executive, a manager of account executives, a manager of inside salespeople. And we're going to focus less about developing in this role. And we're going to talk more about how to get into this role. Uh, because I think that's where we've we've had a lot of feedback from our listeners that that's their ultimate goal is to be a first-line sales manager. So, Bobby, we're going to cover three areas here. Uh, the first one is going to be working on the soft skills. The second part is going to be investing and being visible. And the third part of this is proving that you can do aspects of the job. So, let's jump right into it. But before we get started, Brian, have you ever been a first-line sales manager? I have indeed, multiple occasions. I have been a first-line sales manager. Brian, today are you a first-line sales manager? I am not. And today I am not a first-line sales manager. So to all the listeners who have a desire to be a first-line sales manager, heed, I won't even call it advice, but heed the example that it's not always what it's cracked up to be. Uh, So with that, we'll go ahead and get started. Any feedback on my comment there, Brian? (laughs) No, I like it a lot. I think... um, I, I think... I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. And in fact, I might be going right back into it in a few months. So I wouldn't trade that experience I've had in the past because I think having 
being a, a sales leader, sales manager at Microsoft, uh, you and I being uh, partners and, and vice presidents and owners in a business where we managed a very large team of people, there are a lot of very positive things to that. A lot of amazing experiences that that any sort of MBA program couldn't have prepared us for. No doubt. And I don't How, want anyone to think that I, it's all negative and that you shouldn't go that route. But I, I do find it somewhat comical that we're neither one in that role today. Completely agree. So let's talk about the first section, shall we? It's all about working on the soft skills. And we're going to talk about really two broad soft skills here. Of course, there are many others. Uh, the first one fits into the broad category of emotional intelligence, and it's all about self-awareness. Uh, so we're going to link to an article in the show notes here, uh, but I thought there's a, there's a great uh, quote that I wanted to read. It says, when we focus our attention on ourselves, we evaluate and compare our current behavior to our own internal standards and values. We become self-conscious as an objective evaluator of ourselves. What they say in general, Bobby, is that self-awareness is the number one predictor of overall success. When they look at the leaders, the CEOs of a Fortune 500 company, the the leaders of this business are all their their marks are off of the board when it comes to self awareness. Too often we're just on autopilot, like we're we're unconscious of our thoughts, we're biased towards certain uh, patterns or behavior behaviors. We're making decisions because we've always made a decision a certain way. If, you're, if your aim is to be in a sales leadership position, you are going to be confronted with more challenges than I promise you, more challenges than you will ever think that you can, that you can handle. Uh, there have been times where I wanted to throw, I've, I remember sitting distinctly, Bobby, on my back porch at, with a little, a little fire going in the back porch, you know, staying warm and, and thinking, man, I'm just going to throw my cell phone into this fire and just let it burn in there because I, I cannot deal with these people issues anymore. Oh, I would enjoy throwing my phone in a fire so many times in the past as well, and just watching it burn and just resonating in all the people that couldn't call me on that day or night. But, you know, that's kind of what the role calls for, too, at the same time, right? And we heard from Nadine and Phil and many other top performers that they found ways to slow down their day. We talked a while ago um, in our previous episode about slowing down the conversation. Now you almost got to slow down your whole self. And they talked about their meditation practices, their morning routines, and really not letting that day eat them up until they got some good personal stuff out of the way. Something you should all go back and listen to if you haven't listened to Nadine or Phil's interviews. It's all about taking a pause in the morning, much like you would in a conversation contributing strategically. It's taking a pause in your day. It really is. If you can't stop to hear yourself think... Um, in, in the quiet times now before you have a role like this. Not to say that the job you're in, you may be incredibly busy in the job that you're in today, but if you can't force yourself to take some time, whether it's through meditation or just considering several perspectives, um, it's going to really come back to bite you, not only when you're actually executing in the job, but but in how that people are going to see you. Like You're going to be interviewed. If you can't understand several perspectives, and you can't practice seeing several perspectives, you're not going to be very successful in the interview loop because they're looking for these really uh, high-toned skills. I said it earlier, but again, this is the job now. So not everyone's a fit for being this first-line sales manager or a manager of people or managers of managers, but 
your job is to stop and think. Your job is to see two or three different perspectives and come up with the best solution forward for the business unit or for the business. It's not it's not just being a great sales rep anymore or the strategic thinker. It is the person that's seeing these perspectives. It really is. So read it, find a book, find a good book. We'll, we'll have some recommendations on our show notes, but find something that resonates to you um, and really practice this skill, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through practicing, understanding several perspectives. But this is really a skill that's got to be first and foremost on your list when it comes to uh, trying to get that first manager gig. The second one, Bobby, is executive presence. And really all this means is just wearing a suit to work. Is that right? Uh, that tie, tie on occasions, of course, but no, no, it's so much more. Uh, it's a whole bubble around you. It really is. I, I think we, we've broken it down into five different categories here. Um, it, executive presence is, is, is really all about how your composure. So let me, let me touch on the five points and then we'll get into these individually. Composure, connection, Charisma, clarity, and conciseness. See, I can't even say conciseness. And conciseness. So let's first hit on composure. So we, we talked about it in the contributing strategically. Your thoughts in this position need to be firm, need to be well thought out, good opinions. Not to say that you can't consider other perspectives, but you need to bring an opinion to the table here. You can't be hot-headed. You can't be reactionary. You have to... You have to carry a good composure. That's the number one characteristic here. The next one is connection. Making people feel comfortable reading and adapting. I would admit this is one of my weaknesses early on as a sales manager. I was so focused on running towards the number, being results-oriented and driven, You know, knowing that the forecast was right, knowing we were going to make our number, that I probably left a lot of damaged salespeople in my wake as I ran to that goal. And while I thought... Uh, I was being super successful. Uh, others around me, my mentors and others, said maybe not so much. And I heard them, but I kept achieving. So I kept thinking, well, why would I not be getting credit for this? Uh, but I, the retention becomes a problem. And the things that are most important to a manager become a real problem. So you have to know when someone's having a bad day. And give them a little bit of leniency. Let them off the hook. Tell them to go home. I can remember working teams really hard. Uh, up until the five o'clock hour on Friday, and now I would kill my boss if he made, worked me hard until the five o'clock hour. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, y'all, get out a couple hours early if you have an office setting," or sending a text and saying, "Hey, take the day off and go play golf with your friends or your dad." Being able to understand what people need to be comfortable and and to be at their best is very very important in this role for sure. And I've mentioned this before on a previous episode. I've got my son reading How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's it's a classic book. If you've not read it, you've got to check it out. We've also done a book review on it as well. This is this is huge here. And, I, and how thought, you know, Bobby, I'm sure you've had a manager or someone in the organization or even a peer bring up something. Let's say that you, you know, injured your wrist or something playing golf a week ago and they, they you come in on Monday and you've all but forgotten telling them that. And they ask you how you know, how's how's your wrist feeling? Hey, you, you mentioned that your daughter is played a recital. How'd the recital go? The, these connections are incredibly important, especially as a first line manager. You're being you, you talked earlier, Bobby, I think in the first episode of the series about that uh, the people on your team are going to know if you're chewing gum or not that day. 
imagine if you were to come in and you had uh, memorized some really important facts about their day or their week or, or their, their family. Yeah, and a, a little tip. I, I'll, tell, I'll tell a little secret of mine. You know, when someone tells me they've got some milestone coming up, someone's going to graduate their MBA that I know pretty well in the next two months. And I'm never just going to naturally remember that. We're not superheroes. But I, I took my phone out. I made a reminder for 60 days from now to congratulate so-and-so on completing their MBA program. And then I can forget it. I said it and forget it. And that'll pop up. I'll know who to call. I'll know, how, I'll know who to thank or congratulate. And they're going to appreciate it. That's going to resonate and stick with them. All you got to do is use little tactics like that to be able to remember these things. It, it does go a long way. We just finished interviewing a great friend and, and cohort of ours that uh, still calls at least five people every day to wish them a happy birthday. That's no small feat. It's really amazing. Uh, and the next one really goes hand-in-hand hand with connection, and that's charisma. Um, I, I've got a good friend, Margaret, uh, that I worked with uh, at, at Workte for a number of years, and this is something she's really good at and, and helped me realize is she's always good at focusing specifically on the conversation that she's having. It's very important to her. And that's something that I'm not great at. Like there's all these distractions. I, and that's why I got rid of my, uh, my Apple watch. Um, but we've got cell phones, we've got computers that are dinging with email all day long. And it's focusing specifically on the top of, topic at hand. That person matters to you. Uh, that conversation matters to you. That client meeting matters to you. It's closing the lid of the laptop and focusing on the conversation. And the next one would be clarity. Talk about, you know, be crisp. Talk about your points. Make sure they land clearly. Make sure you're not all around uh, a topic. Be very crisp. Um, an example of this would be using Brian's technique or the one that he described about speaking in threes. Make sure people remember those things. Make sure they understand the things you're talking about. And don't just him haul around and say um all the time. Be clear in your speech and then you'll go from contributing strategically in many instances to being able to have that executive presence we're talking about. Yeah, the final one under this category, executive presence, and this is all under working on the soft skills. Um, this is all for people that are looking to get in their first management gig. Uh, and again, it's working on the soft skills and we're in executive presence now. The final one here is conciseness. This is a huge challenge. In fact, I gave feedback to a coworker last week on this. They are hands down an amazing uh, demonstrator of the product. They are an amazing demo person. However, they used far too many words to communicate too many of their points. So the, the point here is don't over communicate. It's very easy, especially once you become a master at something, to want to, to hold the conversation and kind of, you know, some people call it holding court. Don't over communicate. Yeah, another weakness of Bobby Doss. It's one of my strengths and strength finders. I'm a communicator. But because of that, I have the gift to gab. I like to talk. And there's been times where I've been caught over communicating. So that'll lead us into our almost last point in executive or uh, in the soft skills section of this part. And that is slowing the conversation down and being deliberate. We talked a lot about it in the last episode. But in, in your conversations... One of your soft skills must be to be able to slow it down and be deliberate. Have a point, have a goal, 
drive that point and drive that goal home. You can only do it when you slow it down, and it is not a skill that is easy to do. It really is a master skill. Uh, Phil Willem talked about this in the interview we did with him. It, not specifically, but he, what he talked about is slowing the cadence down or speaking at your own cadence. You've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You've got to be slow and deliberate with your points uh, and full of information. It, it's it, look, it's it's a tough package, right? But you've got to be working on these types of things because when they're looking at you in that you know having you in that room of leaders, they're going to be measuring these characteristics. I promise you. To wrap soft skills. I'll add one last one, and that's objection handling. We talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but it is it is critical to being a great manager and a great leader, and that is being on top of all the objection handling that your organization needs. And some of that now includes employee objections. I don't like the hours. I don't like the work. I don't like Salesforce. You have I've sold all everything in my territory. Oh there's yeah, nothing there's nothing left. Yeah, a hundred percent saturation. That. But you have to be ready to handle those and get people fired up about the overcoming those. So uh, we'll wrap soft skills, but you have to be strong at objection handling as well. You do. I, and w- sorry to cap off one more point there, Bobby. In, in many cases, it, certainly if you're a first-line sales manager, you're going to be in the closed meetings or there's a chance that you're in some of the bigger deal closed meetings. You're going to be looked at to handle some of these objections. You you should be good at this because if you're being considered for this type of role, uh, presumably you're a great account executive. And to be a great account executive, you have to be good at objection handling. If somehow you've gotten away with this, now's the time to start polishing up on it because it's going to be expected. All right, so the second section here, Bobby, this is all under the contributing through others, is invest and be visible. So... Um, when Bobby, you and I worked together at Microsoft, that's we've made that abundantly clear over the previous uh, episodes and podcast series. Um, it was a, a goal for me very early on to become a first-line sales manager at Microsoft, something I was able to achieve. Um, it, there was a portfolio that you kind of helped me put together. A big piece of this for me was um, investing in myself, getting smarter myself. So you need to be thinking about what are you doing, not only to show the people that will potentially hire you for this role, but just so you can get sharper yourself. What are you doing to invest in yourself? That could be a degree, that could be an MBA, that could be some sort of uh, certificate or a master class. Um, I went, I did a, like a certificate program at SMU. Um, it was, it was marginally helpful. I picked up a few nuggets here or there. The point with this is you need to be, it needs to be visible that you're, you're not just nailing your day job. And by the way, you've got to be nailing your day job. That's an obvious thing, but you need to show that you're, you're extending yourself and you're looking to get smarter. No doubt. We've talked a lot about books. Books are a great way to do that. The authors that write those books are a great way to do that. And to find mentors well beyond what we talked about in a couple episodes ago. And and you can see my board of directors document that we posted after that episode and where those mentors lie and where those people in your in your board should lie but reach out to some some big leaders get some of their time it won't be easy but it is possible find a leader in another organization they want to be connected with you too if you're a superstar so reach out invest in yourself be visible 
that you they want to know that you're picturing yourself in this type of a role as well. Can you see yourself in the room? Do you communicate like your current manager? Do you currently communicate like the best manager you've ever worked for? I think it's key that we've covered communication. Two episodes ago, too, we talked a lot about dress. But in this role, dress is key. Uh, I had a I had a manager one time tell me to write down the attributes of the company I was working for. It was at Microsoft. It was a Fortune 10 company. We were the largest software company in the world. I ran one-tenth of the business in North America. And he said, wake up every day before you get dressed and remind yourself that these are the attributes of the role that you're leading and performing and dress like you're that guy. And it really did change the way I, I put my pants on in the morning, no question. It's a great point. It, and no matter what it is you do, um, you're, you're, you are in charge of a very valuable, uh, not, it's not a commodity, but you're, you're in charge of people. And uh, those people have high expectations of you. The business has high expectations of you uh, addressing the parts, uh, a critical part, part of this. Um, and they're not going to allow you to just level up. You know, it's not, it's not I, I think this is one of the t- most difficult things for me to rationalize as a, as a senior account executive at Microsoft is when, when you're doing well in the job and you're hitting your quota and you're exceeding your quota and you're doing these great things and you're, you're, you know, you're nailing what is expected of you. I think some of us think, and certainly myself at a younger age thought, look, I've nailed this job. What do they call it? The Peter principle to where you just automatically move up to the next level. Um, that's not the way it works at a lot of these companies anymore. They're, they're looking at a lot of these soft skills. They're looking at what you're doing, uh, what the hard skills are that you're teaching yourself as well. No doubt. So we've covered two topics, working on the soft skills and invest and be visible. Let's talk about the third one. Prove you can do the aspects of the job. One thing you give me a lot of credit for, Brian, that I'm not sure I deserve all the credit for was, was helping you create the steps that took you from the sales rep that you were, great sales rep that you were at Microsoft, to being that first line, first line sales manager. It's, it's obvious that you at the time were a top performer, and just like you said, the, the business wasn't going to let you level up, that you weren't guaranteed my role if I left the company. So when I resigned and knew, we, knew I was going to resign, we started working on a process uh, to make sure you were well prepared. And I think we used the term stretch projects or stretch assignments back in those days, but it's not just about doing more work. If you're listening to this podcast and you only hear me say do more work, you're not getting the context of what I'm talking about. One aspect of a stretch project is it's something that you've not readily been seen doing. Uh, I use an analogy when I talk about this with people that this is kind of like the Cub Scouts uh, or the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts where you've got merit badges and you need to knock down the merit badges that you don't have yet on your on your scarf or sash or whatever that is, you need to knock down those merit badges. So if you haven't performed the business manager function in your org yet, and they haven't seen you think about the monthly or quarterly numbers and to be able to talk about the gaps and the things that you need to accomplish to be successful, find a way to do that. Work with the business manager, set up a one-on-one, ask how you can participate. Maybe you could lead one of their conversations in a team meeting, etc. Maybe you ask your manager, hey, manager, can I lead the team call this week? I want the experience of leading the organization as, a, as an individual contributor and talking through the things that you would normally talk through. Brian, give me a few examples of stretch projects that were valuable to you and didn't just appear to be more work. 
Yeah, for me, it was uh, running the marketing plan. Uh, so we had a number of events across a pretty broad region in the South Central District. Um, so being in charge of kind of what the strategic marketing plan was in partnership with our marketing director, uh, we had, you know, Microsoft was very dependent on our partner relationships. So it was helping to manage some of the partner strategy there. Uh, I think the most important, the, the most eye-opening one for me, Bobby, was uh, running the forecast call. So you'd, you'd built kind of a forecast workbook that collected up um, the forecast from all the team members across the team. And then you have to you have to take that forecast and, and what do you do? You just pass it right upstairs? No, there's a lot of work you got to do to rationalize and massage that thing and get it ready and, and take personalities into it. You know, I thought, all right, these are just these are just numbers, right? You just you just apply a percentage to them and roll them upstairs. But no, you got to apply a lot of uh, people principles to this as well. The other one that's that's big and also could maybe change your mindset about what you want to do next is cover for your manager when he or she is on vacation or out of the office. It's a big it's a big role when you become the catch all for everything on a team of ten or twelve people. You might be surprised how many catches you're making throughout that little org. Um, it's a big deal. So raise your hand. Tell them that you want to be the person that's going to cover for them when they're out. Yeah, and you've got to be nailing your day job, by the way. Don't, don't ask for these things if you're not nailing your day job. You'll, you'll, you'll not get what you're looking for here. Um, I, I think another piece that we'll, we'll talk about is, is, Bobby, is not being naive about where, you're, where you'll struggle in a role like this. I talk about this all the time when it comes to a customer situation. So a customer is going to inherently look at when they're evaluating multiple technologies, they're going to say, okay, here's the, the positives and the, and the negatives of this technology. Here's the positives and negatives of that technology. Think about when you're being interviewed in a role like this, they are also measuring what the positives and negatives are for you. So don't be, don't be naive about where it is you struggle. Discuss these things openly and talk about what your plan is around these. Don't let them come up with these assumptions. One of my be, biggest be proactive in it. One of my biggest pet peeves when I'm interviewing people in any role is when they tell me they have no weakness or they give me some strength to make it sound like a weakness. Just just a few days ago, maybe 10, uh, I was interviewing someone for my manager just doing a check and balance and this gentleman told me that he's way too organized and that sometimes that comes off as a big weakness for him and I, I, that's not really a weakness i don't ever remember firing, firing someone for being overly organized but there everyone does have weaknesses they're hard to grasp sometimes they're hard to, to to admit at others but be aware of your weaknesses and share them i can tell you there's never been a manager role that i was helping fill or participate in the interview loop for that the group of people in the finals day that that group of people weren't fully aware of everything that the weaknesses were for each individual. We knew them. We were aware of them. We were listening for them. And when each of those people sat down and they didn't bring them up, it was a red flag. It's an awareness thing, right? You're thinking, okay, either they don't know about it, which is a problem, or they don't care about it, which is also a problem. So know, know them. Have, you know, reach out to a good mentor or somebody you trust that can help you work through these if you don't uh, have good recognition as well. Mock interviews are incredibly helpful in the same vein here. I don't remember how many mock interviews we did, uh, but it was amazing uh, when you helped me get my first line manager role, um, how nervous I was and how calm I was when it actually came to the interview day 
because we'd been through the paces. We'd gone through it a dozen times. You know, get somebody that's helped you in your career or you've helped uh, in their career. Do mock interviews. Ask the tough questions. Answer the tough questions. Uh, be prepared because there's not going to be. Th- these are going to be some of the toughest interview loops that you'll ever be part of. No question. And just real quick, let's talk about the pluses and minuses of the job. You know, there there are some reasons why you would do it. Uh, obviously, the visibility it's going to set you up for future opportunities in your career, assuming you're successful. Uh, it's it is the next step in the ladder to get to the top if that's what you're shooting for. And there's some pay incentives. They're not all crystal clear, but uh, as a sales manager, I can say I never made as much cash compensation as the highest paid person on my team. But I also had some benefits around stock or some options or some equity that they probably weren't getting as well. Why why would people not take the job, Brian? Well, it's the flip side of one of the, one of the you mentioned. If you are killing it in your current role as a top account executive, you're going to make less money. I mean, period. You will make less money doing this job. You you could have some good stock, uh, you know, commitments as part of the job that could help cover some of that, but probably not all of it. That's that's a reason why not. People is a reason why not. If you're an account executive selling a product. Uh, Products typically are pretty dependable. Uh, services can, they're somewhat less dependable, but they're, they're way more dependable than people. People have bad days. They have marriages that go wrong. They have kids that get sick. Uh, they break their legs. Uh, there, there, are, uh, there are people, they, they come to you complaining about a saturated territory, uh, about a quota being too high. Look, there's a thousand. We can make a podcast on just excuses that you get in this job. So there's a lot of reasons not to do it. Um, and and you know when we talk about the five questions that you should be asking yourself every quarter when it comes to accepting another first line manager role, you really need to research those those five questions and and think about what touch points do I have that I like and don't like. Maybe at a sixth question is, do I like the people that I would be managing? Um, not necessarily yeah. in every case do you have to like them, but uh, you will be working closely with them. So with that, let's talk about those five questions one more time. Uh, well, before I do that, let's wrap today's series. You know, We've talked about the contribution through others, and we've covered three topics today. Working on your soft skills, invest and be visible, prove you can do the aspects of the job, and let's talk about those five questions we've been talking about throughout the series and, and documenting the answers to these questions and continue to document them. Who am I? Don't lie about this. Make sure you're telling yourself who you are and, and focus on that. What can I do well? We, we've called out Phil's antidote bit about doing that and doing more of that, that thing you do really well. We also have talked about what do you enjoy doing? Like what is it that you really love about? What, what are you passionate about? What do you not care if it... If you're having to work until eight o'clock at night one night, like what is it that you love to do? And on the flip side, what do you not enjoy doing? What what is it that you just that's on your to-do list, Bobby? That like just continues to get pushed down and down and down and down. Because uh, ideally, you're doing far less of that, far more of what you are enjoying. And then finally, it's kind of a two-part final question: is what experiences do I need to add? Whether that's a certification or a MBA or whatever it is, and what feedback do I need to better ingest? Yep, so this has been a great series. Four episodes, four stages. The first stage was contributing dependently. 
Again, the company's investing in you. You have a team wrapped around you to help you be successful, but the business is investing in you and they expect to get some long-term returns on that investment they're making in you. The second stage we talked about is contributing independently. That means you're winning on your own, you're producing on your own, you probably still have some help, but at some point during this stage, the pendulum shifts a little bit to where you're making the company more money then they're paying you, and that's a good thing for the business. They've been investing in you. Yeah, the third one is contributing strategically. That means that you've become effectively an expert in the business. You are contributing exponential value back to the organization. The fourth one is what we've covered today. This is the final uh, episode in this series, and this is contributing through others. So, And really, we focus this day on how do you get into that first-line job. Uh, as we've always said in previous series, in previous episodes, if you're going for one of these jobs and you have some questions, if you want a mock interview, Bobby and I have been doing this for people over the past several months since we've run the, the podcast. We'd be happy to do it for you too. Just reach out to us, info at bobbyandbrian.com, or you can reach out to us individually. It's brian at bobbyandbrian.com or bobby at bobbyandbrian.com. Yeah, we don't mind doing it. We, we, we want to pay it forward in every aspect that we can. And to that point, I think we would love your feedback. This is Series 3. The next series is going to be on sales process coming out in a couple of weeks. We're going to inject an interview in between this series and the next series. But we want your feedback. We want to know what we can do to help you guys be better sellers out in the field, be better tech sellers. Give us your feedback. Ask us your questions. If you want us to dive deeper in one of these stages or if you want us to provide more feedback on any section of that we've talked about in any of the first three series, don't hesitate to ask. Thanks very much, Bobby. So for Bobby, I'm Brian. Thanks everyone for listening. Send us your feedback. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.